Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Morning Devotion. I apologize about the sound issues yesterday, but we're journeying through day 11. Day 11 of 21 days of prayer and fasting, and I guess this is sort of the halfway day. We get through, we'll be over halfway. You're making it. You're holding together. Thank you for being a part of this, and thank you for sharing this. We call this morning devotion, but really people see this later during the day. I I don't know. I guess we could call it daily devotion, but I don't know. We've called it morning devotion so long. I I think I would have such trouble switching from morning to daily, but we understand you're watching it daily. And uh, here we are. Thursday, January the 13th. Happy birthday, Big Brother Mike. Hope you have a great one to each and all of you. I wish you well today. What a great day when worship goes bad. What a dramatic setting. I've got lightning behind me when worship goes bad. If you, if you followed along with us, uh, we are, we are journeying through the book on prayer, 21 days of prayer and fasting and going through this season and through this time together. And today's devotion in the book, How's the Fire? If you haven't bought the book yet, you can do it on, uh, Amazon, Pentecostal Publishing House. TheBookOnPrayer.com, uh, Audible, Digital, Print, just however you want it. There we go. It's yours. How's the fire? How's the fire? My pastor used to say we were born in the fire. How can we live in the smoke? Yeah. This church was born in an upper room with cloven tongues like as a fire. It has a passion and a devotion about it that is witness with these devotees, with Yolanda, Ron, Brian, David, with each and every one of you. And I thank God for you. Thank God for you being here. If you're on YouTube, subscribe, share, Facebook, follow, get the word out. Instagram, still having a little trouble with Instagram. Some encoding problem. And does this look like a face that knows anything about encoding? <laughs> I don't. We're going to figure it out though. We'll get it. We'll get the Instagram post up real soon. I promise you. Today, when worship goes bad, in the history of morning devotion, we began with 21 days of prayer and fasting and the late summer of 2019, early fall, and we just never stopped. We've marched through this pandemic season together. 21 days. I believe God's going to break the back of this virus that in 21 days, as crazy as it is right now, did you hear that a million, 400,000 cases or something over the weekend? We're going to get through this. We're going to get through it because our faith, our prayer, our calling, our worship, our devotion is kissed by fire, by passion, not drudgery. We are inflamed, not enshrouded in the days that we're living in. That's what separates this faith from all of others. God is a consuming fire and he, he is longing to incinerate anything in our lives that's wood, hay, stubble, 
Yes. When worship goes bad. Jose, Deborah, Cara, I promise you, this is a story. Uh, this is something. I, I, In fact, I want to tell you a story toward the end of this that intrigues me. It's about how the the reign and the era of the gladiators ended. But let me start here. I saw over the weekend that Marilyn Bergman passed. She and her husband, Alan, had written so many popular songs together. I mean, if you're into pop music and culture, The Way We Were, The Windmills, of your mind, Yellow Bird, You Don't Bring Me Flowers. I mean, the songs they wrote, show tunes, and it's just incredible. But their first big song was Sinatra's hit, Nice and Easy. I think that's how people want worship today. Nice and easy. Everything tied up in a bow, everything picture perfect, no stress, no downers, nice and and easy. No price to pay, no costly devotion. But can I say that our faith is anything but nice and easy. And if we ever try to make it nice and easy, worship will go bad. Very, very bad. And that's what we're discussing today. I read a quote by Will Smith a while back. It said, we've made church easy But being a disciple of Jesus in the early 21st century is hard. And for the most part, the evangelical church does not teach us how to do that. We make church nice and easy. Who does? People with the spirit of Jeroboam. Yeah, I want to talk to you about a man named Jeroboam in scripture. It's when worship goes bad is when it becomes nice and easy. I pray today. I pray today for each and every one of you. Yesterday I went back and I looked at I looked at some of the prayer requests and needs. Just letting you know we're in this together. We're going to get through this. When worship goes bad. Jeroboam. Anybody that's ever read the Bible, you're going to see that name about a hundred times. Twenty-five times we read of the sins of Jeroboam. We read how many times, I mean, how many times Jeroboam calls Israel sin. We read of the people who walked in the way of Jeroboam, but who was Jeroboam and what was his sin? Well, at first mention, we find Jeroboam, he's just a hard worker fortifying the walls of Jerusalem. So industrious was he that he captured the attention of Solomon. Solomon took notes of his abilities promoted him to job superintendent. From that position, he became the spokesperson for his crew. Now, when Solomon's son, Rehoboam, came to the throne, Jeroboam led a revolt. The northern 10 tribes of Israel forsook Solomon's son, Rehoboam, and followed Jeroboam, but that was not his sin. The southern tribes of Jeroboam stayed, or the southern tribes of Judah, Benjamin, stayed with Solomon's son. And uh, so what was Jeroboam's sin? Discontentment, rebellion, disloyalty? Maybe, but but it was really something else that the Bible's talking about. Like Nimrod of old, he sought to draw people away from God's commandments. He viewed people as a commodity. In giving people what they wanted, he actually showed how little he cared for them. Like the Nicolaitans found in Ephesus who blended cursed things with true worship. God just has this special animus towards people, leaders who pull his people away 
from him. Jeroboam's actions attracted the disfavor of God. So here we got Rehoboam, king over Judah and Benjamin, known simply as Judah in the Bible. Jeroboam, king over the 10 northern tribes, known as Israel in those days. With a 10 out of 12 majority, you'd think Jeroboam would be satisfied, but he wasn't. No, it wasn't. He didn't want just Israel's minds. He wanted their hearts. You see, Jeroboam knew that each time those 10 tribes of Israel would go to worship in Jerusalem, as it was commanded in Scripture, three times they had to come up to the city of Jerusalem. That any time, Jeroboam knew that if those 10 tribes that pulled away and followed him got together and worshiped with others, worship, true worship, melts division. And so Jeroboam forbade Israel to go to Jerusalem. He erected two golden calves, one in Dan and the other in Bethel. Both places were ancient holy sites where there was a natural attraction for potential worshipers. And then Jeroboam, here's what he said. Here's the sin. Not only setting up the golden calves, he told Israel, it's just too much for you to go to Jerusalem. Yeah, I know the Bible says three times you got to go, but it's so much hassle, just so much hassle. Jeroboam knew each time they stepped into that fabulous temple built by Solomon, his rival's father, each time they felt the presence of God, they would be drawn away from him. Nice and easy. That was the sin of Jeroboam. Too far for you to go. Too much. God's expecting too much of you. Convenience. That's it in a word. That's the sin of Jeroboam. Convenience is worship gone bad. Oh, oh, Louisa Zane, Bridget, we doing okay out there? Should have worn your steel-toed house shoes to morning devotion. Many worship God from convenience. Jeroboam's tribes outnumbered Rehoboam's tribe five to one. Many are those who say, I want it my way. Did you read of a, a revolt in scripture when this happened? No. Did the people of tri, uh, those tribes say, we, we don't worship golden calves? No. No mention is made of a revolt. They were prone to worshiping golden calves anyway. The majority simply said, we will worship where it's more convenient and how it's more convenient. The apostle Paul in Colossians 2 called that will worship. Carnal people will worship as they see fit. Years back, I did a blog for the Houston Chronicle in the faith section. And uh, there are a lot of responses to anything that I wrote. Uh, most were carnal, though, most nonsensical. One said, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe in going to church. Another one said, I'm a Christian, but I determine what I believe. The Bible, no man's going to tell me what to believe. Another one said things like, nobody can tell what a Christian should think or feel. We choose what we believe. The spirit of Jeroboam is alive and well. It's the worship from convenience. Not going to go far beyond my opinion, my desire, my comfort. Too far to go to Jerusalem. Surely God doesn't expect that of us. Jeroboam not only changed the place of worship, he, he even reordered the festivals, not to get too deep into the weeds. Basically, he said goodbye to the sobriety 
of atonement and hello to the festivity of Feast of Tabernacles. He substituted sobriety with all of its fasting and prayers and sacrifice with partying and laughter. Yeah, we're not going to be inconvenienced. He took away the groans, gave them grins. He removed the gravity and replaced it with levity. No more fasting, only feasting. And that same spirit is alive in our world today. If things aren't just right, if I don't get the right parking place, if I don't get to sit exactly where I want to, if the right songs, and I determine what those are, the right songs aren't sung. If I don't hear the right message with the right words and the right tone at the right length, then I'm just not going to worship. Folks, that's worship gone bad. Convenience. Oh, oh, convenience is the ungainly altar of the Western church world. Whatever caters to the flesh gets the vote of most. How do they get away with it? Same way Jeroboam did. They rewrite history. In 1 Kings 12, he said, Israel, I'm setting up these golden calves, Dan and Bethel. These are the golden calves who brought you out of Egypt. Huh? Golden calves? Golden calves didn't bring them out of Egypt. Golden calves left a lot of them dead in the wilderness. Hear me carefully. Two things about worship gone bad. Two things about the sin of Jeroboam. Convenience. First, you'll be drawn to a person who lies to you. Yes. Second, you'll forget what God has done for you. People looking for the easy way out will fall prey to hard consequences. A religion? Well, here we go. Ho, folks. Barbara, Edna, here we go. A religion that cost us nothing is worth nothing. That's what King David, the man after God's own heart thought when that death angel was passing through Israel and thousands had died near Jerusalem, the angel paused above Ornan's threshing floor. David saw that pause for what it was. It was a moment of mercy. And David rushed to Ornan and said, let me buy your field. Ornan said, King, it's yours. It's yours. Take it. And the king said, no, I can't give to God that which costs me nothing. I must pay full price. That price was paid, sacrifice made, and that's where Solomon's temple was later built. Why? Because a religion that cost us nothing is worth nothing. Can I get a witness to that? Wendy and Jen, can I get a witness to that? Many worship from convenience, but a few will worship from commitment. And here's the story I want to tell you, story of what ended the mortal combat in Rome's Colosseum? It was, this is an old story uh, told first by Theodoret of Cyrus in the fifth century. It's been repeated through the centuries to illustrate the power of commitment. The late president Ronald Reagan used this story in his speech. How I miss such leadership. Right. 17 centuries ago, a young man named Telemachus came to Rome for his first visit. He was hustled along by the huge crowds rushing to the Colosseum, sitting in the bleachers. He was shocked by what he saw. Human beings fighting and butchering other human beings. Those around him cheered. He could not. His convictions and commitment said, I can't go the way of Jeroboam. My worship won't go bad. He climbed over spectators' barricades, raced into the arena, 
and said, in the name of Christ, stop this, stop this. People in the stands laughed, kill him, run him through, and gladiator obliged, doubled over with a spear, piercing his abdomen. The man cried one last time, in the name of Christ, stop this. The arena grew silent. One by one, they began to leave the Colosseum. With their departure, history says, also came the end of the gladiator tradition. Because one person did not worship from convenience. He worshiped from commitment. That's the true path of worship. Yes. In the same passage of scripture where Jesus said, I must needs go to Jerusalem. I've got to go. I've got to suffer. He looked at his disciples and said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him desire, deny himself, take up his cross and follow me for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Worshiping from convenience is anathema to Jesus Christ. Our worship is one of commitment. It's the way of the cross. Jesus turned to face Jerusalem. When he did, he was at the headwaters of the Jordan River. That may not make much sense to you, except that is the place where Jeroboam set up one of those golden calves. When Jesus said, I got to go to Jerusalem, he left the path of convenience and walked up the steep hill of commitment. Why would anyone want to walk that path? Pastor, why would anyone? Here's why. Came a day in Jeroboam's life that his boy was sick. Dan didn't work. Bethel didn't work. The golden calves didn't work. Jeroboam didn't turn to the priest of his own making. The king directed his wife to make her way to Ahijah, Abijah, the prophet of God. He knew where his help came from, even if he could not humble himself to admit it. There's a reward for the righteous. God knows them that are his, and he's going to hear your cry. Yes. Yes. For much of this religious world, in a day and an era when convenience Convenience is the message of the hour. Bring food to me. Deliver this to me. There are some who say this Jeroboam mindset will not do. My worship will not spoil. My worship will not go bad. There are going to be hungry and desperate and hurting people who are going to say it's worth the price. I've got to pay because I know there's a place of healing and there's a place of miracles. I know. I know there is a high cost of convenience. Jeroboam's sin called all of Israel to sin. I want you to think about this. He affected 15 kings and nine dynasties for over 250 years. His hold on Israel remained until she was taken into captivity. It's the high cost of worship going bad of the nice and easy approach. Each of us has to choose. Within us is a tug of war of sorts. The flesh desiring convenience, the spirit desiring commitment. We must tip the scales through our choices toward the latter and the former. Choose commitment. You will either be a cross bearer or a cross denier. We got to choose. John the Revelator saw two types of worshipers in the last days. One was the sacrificial righteous believer dressed in white, Revelation 7. 
and the other was the professed believer dressed in gaudy attire, Revelation 17. One represents commitment, the other convenience, and each of us must choose between the two. Costly commitment, yes, is of higher value. Don, that's what I'm doing. Tobias, that's what I'm doing. I'm making a choice. Our elders, they used to ask, how's the fire? But they also used to say, we want, we don't want Pentecost without the cost. You can't have it your way. Each and every day, we choose again and again, commitment or convenience. Worship gone bad or pure and true worship. We face today choices in our witness, our worship, our lives, our careers, our marriages, our friends, the words we choose, the places we go, say no. Say no to worship gone bad. Say no to Jeroboam. Say yes to Jesus. Say no to a worship brought of convenience. Follow in the way of commitment and watch what God will do in your life. Oh, I feel the presence of the Lord in that folks. I want to thank you. I want to thank you for being you. You guys, you show up here every morning. It, it humbles me. Yet this is not about me. And this is not a substitute for everything we do for God. Hopefully it's a catalyst for us doing more for God. But when we gather together, we remind ourselves there's a commitment that will see us through. Our worship will see us through. We're going to make it through this season of time that we're living in. I'm speaking to a Telemachus. I'm speaking to someone who has a voice. Use it. You have a presence. You have influence. Use it. I don't want your worship to go bad. I want us to stay close. May may you go forward into today in your prayer, your Bible reading, your fasting, however you choose to do this. I'm behind you. If it's one meal a day, you're fasting. To God be the glory. If you're fasting intermittently, to God be the glory. If you're fasting a few days, then taking a break a few days, I'm behind you. If you're doing a Daniel fast the whole time, I'm behind you. Now, now, if you're just fasting from rutabagas, I'm not behind you on that. But you know, we're going to get through this and we're going to see the mighty hand of God at work. May the Lord be with you today. Go with you. Share this with others. I look forward to seeing you again tomorrow. God willing. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.